This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Welcome back to Education Matters with me, Katie Olmsted. I'm part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, and every week on behalf of OEA's 120,000 members, it is my honor to bring you insightful conversations about the biggest issues facing Ohio's public schools. It feels like for the last year at least, one of those big issues has been so-called divisive concepts, that manufactured controversy around teaching critical race theory in K-12 schools, Spoiler alert, no one is doing that. Or teachers grooming or indoctrinating students or whatever other made-up nonsense out-of-state extremists are trying to push around in Ohio to hijack the political narrative and drive a wedge between parents and educators. As we all know, parents and educators are actually on the same side. And now we know Nearly all Ohio parents trust their children's teachers to do the jobs they were trained to do. Those are the findings of a survey by Baldwin-Wallace University's Community Research Institute for the Children's Defense Fund of Ohio. And as CDF Ohio's senior policy associate Allison Paxson tells us, the findings make it abundantly clear that regardless of race, gender, Income, religion, or even political affiliation, Ohio parents and caregivers overwhelmingly support the whole child priorities in education, like school nutrition, mental health, and social-emotional learning. And they want to be good partners with teachers to set their children up for success. Take a listen. Allison, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Looking at this report, it has very comprehensive, so many questions asked of so many parents around Ohio, but what is the biggest takeaway you want people to have from this? I think uh, that's a great question. Um, I would say the biggest takeaway that I have is that, you know, we we sought out to do this survey to really better understand um, a lot of the conflicting messages that we were hearing throughout Ohio and to understand what was truly representative of what parents want for their children. Um, specifically around um, schools prioritizing whole child well-being by teaching social emotional learning um, in terms of other uh, programs that they do to support students beyond solely academics, whether that's mental behavioral health, um, school nutrition, um, and in other aspects of how they they drive their policies uh, towards um, promoting more equity in their schools. And so I'd say the biggest takeaway that I have is that overwhelmingly, we see that a lot of the opposition we're seeing throughout the state of Ohio is it's not really coming so much from parents and from parents who actually have school-aged children in our K through 12 schools. Overwhelmingly, we find that parents believe in the partnerships that they have with their schools and with their educators. And they trust their educators to support their children in their academic learning and in their best interest as really great role models for their children and their future success. Yeah, I want to talk about some of those numbers. I have the report right here. Uh, It says nine in 10 parents say they see their child's teacher as a positive role model. Uh, 93% say they trust their child's teacher to teach their child age-appropriate content. 92% say they trust their child's teacher to support their academic learning and success. 89% 
say they trust their child's teacher to have high expectations of their child. And 87% say they trust their child's teacher to discipline fairly. Knowing where we are in the state of Ohio, knowing all of the manufactured controversy around, uh, you know, parents saying that, quote unquote parents, because we know it's not actually parents, <laughs> teachers stop indoctrinating our children. Did it surprise you to see this overwhelming numbers support teachers like this? We didn't know what results we would receive. We were really just trying to craft the least biased survey that we could, uh, you know, really design in order to get an accurate view. But that being said, I was both, you know, surprised to see the overwhelming numbers that nine and 10 parents trust their parents or uh, nine and 10 parents trust their teachers um, in all of these different categories. Um, you know, but I'm also not very surprised at all because I think that there is a solid recognition and, um, and abundantly clear from this data that there's unity among parents that they recognize uh, just how resilient teachers have been throughout this time. They recognize the impact of uh, teacher-student relationships and the importance of their teachers treating their children as humans first and then, you know, students second as they come into the classroom. And so, Yes, a little surprised at the amount, but in the long, um, just given our long history um, in terms of our education here in Ohio and how strong our teachers have been, um, you know, and how solid that trust has been between schools and communities, um, I, I'd say I over, overwhelmingly um, kind of underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you put it that way. One of the things that I also really Again, I, I wasn't surprised by it because it was the sense I had, but it's so nice to see it validated in the data that this is across the political lines that parents are feeling this way. Um, can you speak a little bit to who you actually ask these questions to? Yes, absolutely. And so um, we conducted the survey in the last three weeks of May of this year, just following our primaries, and we thought that tension would be probably at its highest. And um, we surveyed um, over 1,300 parents, um, you know, of course, with school-aged children in K through 12. And among those um, demographics, we had 84% of parents who are registered voters. And then in this case of this survey, um, slightly more Republicans um, who are self-identified Republicans who uh, responded to, to the survey. And, um, and even then, you know, despite what we're hearing from um, kind of you know, more Republican leaning groups about their stances on these issues, um, the support was really overwhelming for, for teachers and what they're doing every day. Was there a political divide on some of the other questions you asked? I know this, this survey covered a lot of ground. If, if any, it was very slight. Um, I would say, so we crafted the survey to first ask parents say about what life skills they want their children to learn. Um, understanding that these life skills like responsible decision-making, social awareness, um, uh, you know, um, self-awareness, all of these life skills that underpin social-emotional learning. We ask parents about these skills first without using the term social-emotional learning because it's become so politicized and we didn't want to skew the parents' responses that way. Um, overwhelming support in all categories that we ask in terms of those concrete skills. 
But then when we did later ask parents about social emotional learning specifically and whether they support it being taught in their schools, we did see a slight divide in um, uh, political affiliation with more Republican leaning parents, their support diminishing, but it was really still very slight. And um, so that's an area I would point to where it's not about, I would say, um, parent support or lack of support for, for social emotional learning itself or for the skills that are part of it, um, but just a um, lack of understanding for what that specific kind of educational jargony word means. And so it was really important for us to be explicit as we can when we're talking with parents about what we mean by social emotional learning um, and what skills um, it imparts to our students. And if I recall correctly from looking at the report, there seems to be a lot of parents who just don't know what social emotional learning is. Uh, do you think this is a, a call, a wake up call that there needs to be a little bit of an education campaign around just that term? Absolutely. Um, we did see. So there was definitely a correlation where those who had less familiarity with the term were less likely to support it. And so I think that. Um, and we, we asked open-ended questions for social-emotional learning also um, that even showed that while parents may have said they don't support social-emotional learning in schools, their open-ended questions showed that what they want is actually social-emotional learning. So I think what's really key for us is to make sure that um, we're educating parents and raising awareness and being as explicit as possible whenever we use the word and thinking about you know, the, the real life skills that it equips students with and sets them up for future success. Another part of the survey is looking at um, mental health in schools. What did you find from that? Yes, yeah, so we um, found that uh, parents really consider mental health to be an issue of concern for, for their children and children in their school community. Um, and that um, specifically uh, parents um, really want mental health to be greater prioritized in schools, um, whether that is through providing more on-site providers um, in schools where children can readily access them, but also, um, you know, more funding towards, uh, you know, mental health in schools and school-based health care. And it seems like there's support for more funding for um, school nutrition programs as well. Really across the board, Parents were saying, we support taking care of the whole child, which is what the whole thing was looking at, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we saw from the survey data that um, nearly half of all parents reported that their students accessed a school meal um, five days a week. And this, you know, especially was important throughout the pandemic, you know, as families were struggling with the impacts financially of uh, the COVID crisis. And, um, you know, we saw a response where these school meals were, were free for parents in the last two years. Um, and we're seeing um, from the survey results that parents really do want continued prioritization of free school meals for all students. And they, um, uh, about 80, 85% said that they really believe that um, free school meals should be available for all students, regardless of their ability to pay. I mean, that that honestly did surprise me a little bit. I Just in all of the debates that we have across our society about um, quote unquote entitlement programs or anything like that, I, I have 
felt that there was a larger proportion of people who um, may not support something like that. But to see that overwhelming majority, again, wanting to take care of the whole child, to me, that was pretty heartening. Absolutely. And I just have so much hope and understanding from the data that, you know, parents really recognize that schools and families should be working together to strengthen the supports that children are receiving, you know, both at home and in school, you know, rather than countering those supports. And I think uh, the school nutrition piece is particularly important in considering how, um, you know, parents recognize you know, more and more that these are all of our children and that removing those pieces of red tape that make it more difficult for children to access, you know, school nutrition and school meals is actually something that benefits all of us and thinking about our collective well-being and the collective well-being of our children. One of the things I found particularly important from this survey was the emphasis from parents in their responses on being partners in their children's education. I know every educator I've ever spoken to welcomes a constructive partnership with parents and and caregivers to make sure that children are are getting set up for success at home and at school. Um, Seeing that play out in the data, I think really reaffirms that it is that two-sided commitment, despite what Wedge is trying to be driven into our communities by some of those outside actors who, as you point out, are not parents, and I'm adding, it wasn't in the survey, are really just acting to to cause problems, to be honest, acting for their own political gain. What would you like to see moving forward in terms of um, the importance of this data? I I would say that um, I'd like to see moving forward a um, a better reliance on, on facts and on truth and on an understanding that was very well communicated through this survey that no matter who we are, um, parents, school administrators, um, educators, business leaders, you know, public officials and faith leaders, we really do all have a role to play in the future well-being of our children in our community communities. And that, um, you know, we, we take this you know, collective responsibility of this being a community-wide effort to um, enable every child to have opportunities that they need to thrive. And we enact that in our our policies and in how we make our funding decisions. And we never lose sight of our children being at the center of what should be um, our uh, rationale for making decisions that we do at all levels of government. And I appreciate that you brought that up. I think it's important that we also point out what the Children's Defense Fund Ohio is. Can you tell me a little bit about your organization and, and also what prompted you to look into this data and to, to commission the survey? Absolutely. So the Children's Defense Fund is a national nonprofit organization. We were born out of the civil rights movement through the leadership of Marion Wright Edelman, who really saw the need for a, um, you know, a, a voice in the halls of power for children specifically. And so as an organization here in Ohio, we've been advocating on behalf of children for the last 40 years. And we specifically champion policies that um, lift children out of poverty, that protect them from abuse and neglect, that um, help ensure every child has access to quality and targeted healthcare, education, nutrition, and um, overall whole child well-being and wellness you know, just really understanding that children really don't come in pieces. We can't, you know, truly, you know, 
um, fully fund a child's access to, to housing or nutrition without also looking at all folks of their well-being and um, making sure that all areas where a children's basic needs must be met, um, you know, those are essential in ensuring that a child thrives and is able to realize their true potential and um, define their own success in however way they might define it. Knowing what your organization stands for, what has it been like for you guys watching some of these bills making their way through the state house? The ones that are uh, the the don't say gays, the don't say race bills, House Bill three twenty seven, House Bill six sixteen. Um, obviously, it's it's something that's very important in the educational community, but it sounds like it's something very important to you as well. Absolutely, because these bills hinge on problems that don't exist. These crises have been manufactured by, you know, very coordinated political attacks that don't, um, are not anchored in the best interest of children. And, you know, even from like our survey, um, we see that parents really want a, a prioritization on, you know, the real issues that are facing children and their ability to thrive. And we, you know, even see more support, I would say, than opposition among Ohio parents and some of our open-ended questions. And we ask them about, um, you know, uh, teaching um, issues related to race and racism or those around gender identity and sexual orientation. Um, you know, across all of these open-ended questions, there were relatively few respondents who were actually greatly concerned about or outright opposed to the teaching of these subjects. And so this data just really goes to show how manufactured these crises are and demonstrates that the fear over, you know, uh, dog whistles and, you know, catch all terms for these cultural anxieties are, and just really shows it's not truly coming from parents who actually have children in our schools. And, you know, these so-called divisive issues that have, you know, taken up so much time and so much resources um, among parents really don't appear to be all that divisive at all. And they're distracting from, as you've pointed out, the real issues facing our kids. And now we have the data to back it up proving what those real issues really are. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to help break this down for me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. So what do we do with these survey results? Obviously, it's important that Ohio's educators know they have parents' support. So please tell your colleagues about this data. But we also have to make sure policymakers at the state and local levels have this information, too. We have the link to the full CDF Ohio report in the show notes for this episode. And there's also a link to a PowerPoint template with the data you can use to present at your local school board meeting or in conversations with your state lawmakers. As we know, the decisions our lawmakers make in Columbus can have a huge impact on educators around the state every day. In fact, next week here on Education Matters, we'll hear from one teacher who says a new law passed by the General Assembly earlier this year drove her out of the profession. We want to hear from you, too. You can share your thoughts on the podcast or ideas for future episodes by emailing me at educationmatters@ohea.org, or join the conversation with the Ohio Education Association on social media. We're at OhioEA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, stay well.